0: Book two chapter twenty one of the mystical city of God, volume three by the venerable sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book two chapter twenty one Pilate pronounces the sentence of death against the author of life. The Lord takes up the cross on which he is to die. His most holy mother follows him. What she did on this occasion to restrain the devil and other happenings to the great satisfaction and joy of the priests and Pharisees, Pilate then decreed the sentence of death on the cross against life itself, Jesus our Savior. Having announced it to the one they had thus condemned in spite of his innocence, they brought him to another part of the house of Pilate where they stripped him of the purple mantle in which they had derided him as mock king. All happened by the mysterious dispensation of God, though on their part it was due to the concerted malice of the Jews, for they wished to see him undergo the punishment of the cross in his own clothes, so that in them he might be recognized by all. Only by his garments could he now be recognized by the people, since his face had been disfigured beyond recognition by the scourging, the impure spittle, and the crown of thorns. They again clothed him with a seamless tunic, which at the command of the queen was brought to him by the angels for the executioners had thrown it into a corner of another room in the house where they left it to place upon him the mocking and scandalous purple cloak but the jews neither understood nor noticed any of these circumstances since they were too much taken up with the desire of hastening his death through the diligence of the jews in spreading the news of the sentence decreed against jesus of nazareth the people hastened in multitudes to the house of Pilate in order to see him brought forth to execution. Since the ordinary number of inhabitants was increased by the gathering of numerous strangers from different parts to celebrate the Pasch, the city was full of people. All of them were stirred by the news and filled the streets up to the very palace of Pilate. It was a Friday, the day of the Periskeve, which in Greek signifies preparation or getting ready. For on that day, the Jews prepared themselves or got ready for the ensuing Sabbath, their greatest feast, on which no servile work was to be performed, not even such as cooking meals. All this had to be done on this Friday in the sight of all these multitudes they brought forth our savior in his own garments and with a countenance so disfigured by wounds blood and spittle that no one would have again recognized him as the one they had seen or known before at the command of his afflicted mother the holy angels had a few times wiped off some of the impure spittle but his enemies had so persistently continued in their disgusting insults that now he appeared altogether covered by their vile expectorations at the sight of such a harrowing spectacle a confused shouting and clamor arose from the people so that nothing could be understood but all formed one uproar and confusion of voices but above all the rest were heard the shouts of the priests and pharisees who in their unrestrained joy and exultation harangued the people to become quiet and clear the streets through which the divine victim was to pass in order that they might hear the sentence of death proclaimed against him. The people were divided and confused in their opinions, according to the suggestions of their own hearts. At this spectacle were present different kinds of people, who had been benefited and succored by the miracles and the kindness of Jesus, and such as had heard and accepted his teachings, and had become his followers and friends. These now showed their sympathy, some in bitter tears others by asking what this man had done to deserve such punishment others were dumbfounded and began to be troubled and confused by this universal confusion and tumult of the eleven apostles saint john alone was present he with the sorrowful mother and the three marys stood within sight of the lord though in a retired corner when the holy apostle saw his divine master brought forth the thought of whose love toward him now shot through his mind He was so filled with grief that his blood congealed in his veins and his face took on the appearance of death the three marys fell away into a prolonged swoon but the queen of virtues remained unconquered and her magnanimous heart though overwhelmed by a grief beyond all conception of man never fainted or swooned she did not share the imperfections or weaknesses of the others in all her actions she was most prudent courageous and admirable calmly she comforted saint john and the pious women she besought the lord to strengthen them in order that she might have their company to the end of the passion in virtue of this prayer the apostle and the holy women were consoled and encouraged so that they regained their senses and could speak to the mistress of heaven amid all this bitterness and confusion she did nothing unbecoming or inconsiderate but shed forth incessant tears with the dignity of a queen her attention was riveted upon her son the true god she prayed to the eternal father and offered to him his sorrows and torments imitating in her actions all that was done by our savior she recognized the malice of sin penetrated the mysteries of the redemption appealed to the angels and interceded for friends and enemies while giving way to her maternal love and to the sorrows corresponding to it she at the same time practiced all the virtues exciting the highest admiration of all heaven and delighting in the highest degree the eternal godhead since it is not possible for me to describe the sentiments filling the heart of this mother of wisdom nor those at times also uttered by her lips i leave them to be imagined by christian piety the servants and priests sought to quiet the multitudes in order that they might be able to hear the sentence pronounced against jesus of nazareth For after it had been made known to him in person, they desired to have it read before the people and in his presence. When the people had quieted down, they began to read it in a loud voice, so that all could hear it, while Jesus was standing in full view as a criminal. The sentence was proclaimed also in the different streets and at the foot of the cross, and it was afterwards published and spread in many copies. According to the understanding given to me, the copies were a faithful reproduction, excepting some words which have been added. I will not discuss them, for the exact words of this sentence have been shown me, and I give them here without change. Literal rendering of the sentence of death pronounced against Jesus of Nazareth, our savior. I, Pontius Pilate, presiding over Lower Galilee and governing Jerusalem, in fealty to the Roman Empire, and being within the executive mansion, judge, decide, and proclaim, that I condemn to death Jesus of the Nazarean people and a Galilean by birth, a man seditious and opposed to our laws, to our Senate, and to the great Emperor Tiberius Caesar. For the execution of this sentence I decree, that his death be upon the cross, and that he shall be fastened thereto with nails as is customary with criminals because in this very place gathered around him every day many men poor and rich he has continued to raise tumults throughout judea proclaiming himself the son of god and king of israel at the same time threatening to ruin this renowned city of jerusalem and its temple and of the sacred empire refusing tribute to caesar and because he dared to enter in triumph this city of jerusalem and the temple of solomon accompanied by a great multitude of the people carrying branches of palms i command the first centurion called quintus cornelius to lead him for a greater shame through the said city of jerusalem bound as he is and scourged by my orders let him also wear his own garments that he may be known to all and let him carry the cross on which he is to be crucified let him walk through all the public streets between two other thieves, who are likewise condemned to death for their robberies and murders, so that this punishment be an example to all the people and to all malefactors, I desire also and command in this my sentence that this malfactor, having been thus led through the public streets, be brought outside the city through the Pagora Gate now called the Antonian portal, and under the proclamations of the herald, who shall mention all the crimes pointed out in my sentence, he shall be conducted to the summit of the mountain called Calvary, where justice is wont to be executed upon wicked transgressors, there, fastened and crucified upon the cross, which he shall carry as decreed above, his body shall remain between the aforesaid thieves, above the cross, that is, at its top, he shall have place for him his name and title in the three languages namely in hebrew greek and latin and in all and each one of them shall be written this is jesus of nazareth king of the jews so that it may be understood by all and become universally known at the same time i command that no one no matter of what condition under pain of the loss of his goods and life and under punishment for rebellion against the roman empire presume audaciously to impede the execution of this just sentence, ordered by me to be executed with all rigor according to the decrees and laws of the Romans and Hebrews. Year of the Creation of the World, 5233, the 25th day of March. Pontius Pilatus Iudex, et gubernator Galilei inferioris pro-Romano imperio, qui supra propria manu pontius pilate judge and governor of lower galilee for the roman empire who signed the above with his own hand according to the above reckoning the creation of the world happened in march and from the day on which adam was created until the incarnation of the world five thousand one hundred ninety nine years adding the nine months during which he remained in the virginal womb of his most holy mother and the thirty-three years of his life we complete the five thousand two hundred thirty three years and three months which according to the reckoning of the romans intervene between the anniversary of his birth and the twenty fifth of march the day of his death according to the reckoning of the roman church there is not more than nine months and seven days to the first year since it begins its count of years with the first of january of the second year of the world of all the opinions of the teachers of the church i have understood The one which corresponds to the reckoning of the roman church in the roman martyrology to be the correct one this i have also stated in the chapter of the incarnation of christ our lord in the first book of the second part chapter eleventh the sentence of pilate against our savior having been published in a loud voice before all the people the executioners loaded the heavy cross on which he was to be crucified upon his tender and wounded shoulders in order that he might carry it they loosened the bonds holding his hands but not the others since they wished to drag him along by the loose ends of the ropes that bound his body in order to torment him the more they drew two loops around his throat the cross was fifteen feet long of thick and heavy timbers the herald began to proclaim the sentence and the whole confused and turbulent multitude of the people the executioners and soldiers with great noise, uproar, and disorder, began to move from the house of Pilate to Mount Calvary, through the streets of Jerusalem. The master and redeemer of the world, Jesus, before receiving the cross, looked upon it with a countenance full of extreme joy and exultation, such as would be shown by a bridegroom, looking at the rich adornments of his bride, and on receiving it, he addressed it as follows o cross beloved of my soul now prepared and ready to still my longings come to me that i may be received in thy arms and that attached to them as on an altar i may be accepted by the eternal father as the sacrifice of his everlasting reconciliation with the human race in order to die upon thee i have descended from heaven and assumed mortal and passable flesh for thou art to be the sceptre with which i shall triumph over all my enemies the key with which i shall open the gates of heaven for all the predestined isaiah chapter twenty two verse twenty two the sanctuary in which the guilty sons of adam shall find mercy and the treasure house for the enrichment of their poverty upon thee i desire to exalt and recommend dishonor and reproach among men in order that my friends may embrace them with joy seek them with anxious longings and follow me on the path which i through thee shall open up before them my father and eternal god i confess thee as the lord of heaven and earth matthew chapter eleven verse twenty five Subjecting myself to thy power and to thy divine wishes, I take upon my shoulders the wood for the sacrifice of my innocent and passable humanity, and I accept it willingly for the salvation of men. Receive thou, Eternal Father, this sacrifice as acceptable to thy justice, in order that from today on they may not any more be servants, but sons and heirs of thy kingdom, together with me. Romans chapter 8 verse 17 none of these sacred mysteries and happenings were hidden from the great lady of the world mary for she had a most intimate knowledge and understanding of them far beyond that of all the angels the events which she could not see with the eyes of her body she perceived by her intelligence and revealed science which manifested to her the interior operation of her most holy son by this divine light she recognized the infinite value of the wood of the cross after once it had come in contact with the deified humanity of jesus our redeemer immediately she venerated and adored it in a manner befitting it the same was also done by the heavenly spirits attending upon the queen she imitated her divine son in the tokens of affections with which he received the cross addressing it in the words suited to her office as coadjutrix of the redeemer by her prayers to the eternal father she followed him in his exalted sentiments as the living original and exemplar without failing in the least point when she heard the voice of the herald publishing and rehearsing the sentence through the streets the heavenly mother in protest against the accusations contained in the sentence and in the form of comments on the glory and honor of the lord composed a canticle of praise and worship of the innocence and sinlessness of her all holy son and god in the composing of this canticle the holy angels helped her conjointly with them she arranged and repeated it while the inhabitants of jerusalem were blaspheming their creator and savior as all the faith knowledge and love of creatures during this time of the passion was enshrined in its highest essence in the magnanimous soul of the mother of wisdom she alone had the most proper conception and correct judgment of the suffering and death of God for men. Without for a moment failing in the attention necessary to exterior actions, her wisdom penetrated all the mysteries of the redemption and the manner in which it was to be accomplished through the ignorance of the very men who were to be redeemed. She entered into the highest consideration of the dignity of the one who was suffering, of what he was suffering, from and for whom he was suffering. Of the dignity of the person of Christ our Redeemer, uniting within himself the divine and human natures, of their perfections and attributes, the Most Blessed Mary alone possessed the highest and intuitive knowledge outside of the Lord himself. On this account, she alone among all mere creatures attached sufficient importance to the passion and death of her son and of the true God. Of what he suffered, she was not only an eyewitness, but she experienced it personally within herself, occasioning the holy envy not only of men, but of the angels themselves, who were not thus favored. But they well knew that their great queen and mistress felt and suffered in her soul and body the same torments and sorrows as her most holy son, and that the Holy Trinity was inexpressibly pleased with her. And therefore they sought to make up by their praise and worship for the pains which they could not share. Sometimes, when the sorrowful mother could not personally witness the sufferings of her son, she was made to feel in her virginal body and in her spirit the effects of his torments before her intelligence made her aware of them. Thus surprised, she would say, ah, what new martyrdom have they devised for my sweetest lord and master? And then she would receive the clearest knowledge of what the Lord was enduring. The most loving mother was so admirably faithful in her sufferings and in imitating the example of Christ our God that she never permitted herself any easement either of her bodily pains such as rest or nourishment or sleep nor any relaxation of the spirit such as any consoling thoughts or considerations except when she was visited from on high by divine influence. Then only she would humbly and thankfully accept relief. In order that she might recover strength to attend still more fervently to the object of her sorrows and to the cause of his sufferings. The same wise consideration she applied to the malicious behavior of the Jews and their servants, to the needs of the human race, to their threatening ruin, and to the ingratitude of men for whom he suffered. Thus she perfectly and intimately knew of all these things and felt it more deeply than all the creatures. Another hidden and astonishing miracle was wrought by the right hand of God through the instrumentality of the blessed Mary against Lucifer and his infernal spirits. It took place in the following manner. The dragon and his associates, though they could not understand the humiliation of the Lord, were most attentive to all that happened in the passion of the Lord. Now when he took upon himself the cross, all these enemies felt a new and mysterious tremor and weakness which caused in them great consternation and confused distress. Conscious of these unwanted and invincible feelings, the prince of darkness feared that in the passion and death of Christ our Lord, some dire and irreparable destruction of his reign was imminent. In order not to be overtaken by it in the presence of Christ our God, the dragon resolved to retire and fly with all his followers to the caverns of hell but when he sought to execute this resolve he was prevented by the great queen and mistress of all creation for the most high enlightening her and intimating to her what she was to do at the same time investing her with his power the heavenly mother turning toward lucifer and his squadrons by her imperial command hindered them from flying ordering them to await and witness the passion to the end on mount calvary the demons could not resist the command of the mighty queen for they recognized and felt the divine power operating in her. Subject to her sway, they followed Christ as so many prisoners, dragged along in chains to Calvary, where the eternal wisdom had decreed to triumph over them from the throne of the cross, as we shall see later on. There is nothing which can exemplify the discouragement and dismay which from that moment began to oppress Lucifer and his demons. According to our way of speaking, they walked along to Calvary like criminals condemned to a terrible death and seized by the dismay and consternation of an inevitable punishment. This punishment of the demon was in conformity with his malicious nature and proportioned to the evil committed by him in introducing death and sin into the world, to remedy which God himself was now undergoing death. Our Savior proceeded on the way to Calvary bearing upon his shoulders according to the saying of Isaiah, his own government and principality isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 which was none else than his cross from whence he was to subject and govern the world meriting thereby that his name should be exalted above all other names and rescuing the human race from the tyrannical power of the demon over the sons of adam letter to the colossians chapter 2 verse 15 the same Isaias calls it the yoke and scepter of the oppressor and executor, who was imperiously exacting the tribute of the first guilt. In order to destroy this tyrant and break the scepter of his reign and the yoke of our servitude, Christ our savior placed the cross upon his shoulders, namely upon that place where are born both the yoke of slavery and the scepter of royal power. He wished to intimate thereby that he despoiled the demon of this power and transferred it to his own shoulders, in order that thenceforward the captive children of Adam should recognize him for their legitimate lord and true king. All mortals are to follow him in the way of the cross. Matthew chapter 14 verse 24 And learn that by this cross they were subjected to his power. John chapter 12 verse 32 and now become his vassals and servants bought by his own life blood first letter to the corinthians chapter four verse twenty but alas the pity of our most ungrateful forgetfulness that the jews and ministers of the passion should be ignorant of this mystery hidden to princes of this world and that they should not dare touch the cross of the savior because they consider it the wood of ignominy and shame was their own fault and a very great one yet not so great as our own, since its mystery being already revealed to us, we spend our indignation only on the blindness of those who were persecuting our Lord and God. For if we blame them for being ignorant of what they ought to have known, how much should we blame ourselves, who, knowing and confessing Christ the Redeemer, persecute and crucify him by our offenses? Letter to the Hebrews chapter 6 verse 6 o my sweetest love jesus light of my intellect and glory of my soul do not o my lord trust in my sluggish torpidity to follow thee with my cross on thy way take it upon thee to do me this favor draw me after thee to run after the fragrance of thy sweetest love canticles chapter one verse three of thy ineffable patience of thy deepest humility that i may desire for contempt and anguish and seek after participation of thy ignominy insults and sorrows let this be my portion and my inheritance in this mortal and oppressing life let this be my glory and my repose and outside of the cross and its ignominy i desire not to live or to be consoled or to partake of any rest or enjoyment as the jews and all of that blind multitude avoided the touch of the cross of him who was so innocently sentenced to die upon it he opened with it a passage and cleared for himself a way. His perfidious persecutors looked upon his glorious dishonor as a contagion, and they fled from its approach, though all the rest of the streets were full of shouting and clamoring people, who crowded aside as the herald advanced, proclaiming the sentence. The executioners, bare of all human compassion and kindness, dragged our savior Jesus along with incredible cruelty and insults, some of them jerked him forward by the ropes in order to accelerate his passage while others pulled from behind in order to retard it on account of this jerking and the weight of the cross they caused him to sway to and fro and often to fall to the ground by the hard knocks he thus received on the rough stones great wounds were opened especially on the two knees and they were widened at each repeated fall the heavy cross also inflicted a wound on the shoulder on which it was carried the unsteadiness caused the cross sometimes to knock against his sacred head and sometimes the head against the cross thus the thorns of his crown penetrated deeper and wounded the parts which they had not yet reached to these torments of the body the ministers of evil added many insulting words and execrable affronts ejecting their impure spittle and throwing the dirt of the pavement into his face so mercilessly That they blinded the eyes that looked upon them with such divine mercy. Thus they of their own account condemned themselves to the loss of the graces with which his very looks were fraught. By the haste with which they dragged him along in their eagerness to see him die, they did not allow him to catch his breath. For his most innocent body, having been in so few hours overwhelmed with such a storm of torments, was so weakened and bruised, that to all appearances, he was ready to yield up life under his pains and sorrows from the house of pilate the sorrowful and stricken mother followed with the multitudes on the way of her divine son accompanied by saint john and the pious women as the surgeon crowds hindered her from getting very near to the lord she asked the eternal father to be permitted to stand at the foot of the cross of her blessed son and see him die with her own eyes with the divine consent She ordered her holy angels to manage things in such a way as to make it possible for her to execute her wishes. The holy angels obeyed her with great reverence, and they speedily led the queen through some by-street, in order that she might meet her son. Thus it came that both of them met face to face, in sweetest recognition of each other, and in mutual renewal of each other's interior sorrows yet they did not speak to one another nor would the fierce cruelty of the executioners have permitted such an intercourse but the most prudent mother adored her divine son and true god laden with the cross and interiorly besought him that since she could not relieve him of the weight of the cross and since she was not permitted to command her holy angels to lighten it he would inspire these ministers of cruelty to procure some one for his assistance this prayer was heard by the lord christ And so it happened that simon of cyrene was afterwards impressed to carry the cross with the lord matthew chapter 27 verse 32 the pharisees and the executioners were moved to this measure some of them out of natural compassion others for fear lest christ the author of life should lose his life by exhaustion before it could be taken from him on the cross Beyond all human thought and estimation was the sorrow of the most sincere dove and virgin mother while she thus witnessed with her own eyes her son carrying the cross to Mount Calvary, for she alone could fittingly know and love him according to his true worth. It would have been impossible for her to live through this ordeal if the divine power had not strengthened her and preserved her life. With bitterest sorrow, she addressed the Lord and spoke to him in her heart my son and eternal god light of my eyes and life of my soul receive o lord the sacrifice of my not being able to relieve thee of the burden of the cross and carry it myself who am a daughter of adam for it is i who should die upon it in love of thee as thou now wishest to die in most ardent love of the human race o most loving mediator between guilt and justice how dost thou cherish mercy in the midst of so great injuries and such heinous offenses o charity without measure or bounds which permits such torments and affronts in order to afford it a wider scope for its ardor and efficacy o infinite and sweetest love would that the hearts and the wills of men were all mine so that they could give no such thankless return for all that thou endurest oh who will speak to the hearts of the mortals to teach them what they owe to thee since thou hast paid so dearly for their salvation from ruin other most prudent and exalted sentiments besides these were conceived by the great lady so that i cannot express them by words of mine as the evangelist tells us there were other women among the crowds who followed the savior in bitter tears and lamentations luke chapter twenty three verse twenty seven the sweetest jesus turning toward them addressed them and said daughters of jerusalem weep not over me but weep for yourselves and for your children for behold the days shall come wherein they shall say blessed are the barren and the wombs that have not borne and the paps that have not given suck then shall they begin to say to the mountains fall upon us and to the hills cover us for if in the green wood they do these things what shall be done in the dry by these mysterious words the lord acknowledged the tears shed on account of his passion and to a certain extent by showing his appreciation of them he approved of them in these women he wished to teach us for what purpose our tears should be shed so that they may attain their end these compassionate disciples of the lord were at that time ignorant of the true reason for their tears since they wept over his sufferings and injuries and not over the cause of these sufferings and therefore they merited to be instructed and admonished of the truth it was as if the savior had said to them weep over your sins and over the sins of your children and attribute what i suffer to those sins i suffer not for my sins for i am guilty of none and it is not even possible that i be guilty of any if i approve of your compassion for me as good and just much more do i desire you to weep over your sins for which i suffer and by this manner of weeping you shall acquire for yourselves and your children the price of my blood and of my redemption ignored by this blind people for there shall come days namely the days of universal judgment and chastisement in which those shall be held fortunate who have not begotten children, and the foreknown shall call upon the mountains and the hills to shield them against my wrath. For if their sins, now only assumed by me, have such effects on me, who am innocent, what horrible punishments will they draw upon those who are so barren and without any fruits of grace and merits? As a reward for their tears and their compassion, these women were enlightened so as to understand this doctrine. In fulfillment of the prayerful wish of the blessed mother the pharisees and ministers were inspired with the resolve to engage some man to help jesus our savior in carrying the cross to mount calvary at this juncture simon of cyrene the father of the disciples alexander and rufus mark chapter 15 verse 21 happened to come along he was called by this name because he was a native of cyrene a city of libya and had come to jerusalem this simon was now forced by the jews to carry the cross a part of the way they themselves would not touch it yea would not even come near it as being the instrument of punishment for one whom they held to be a notorious malefactor by this pretended caution and avoidance of his cross they sought to impress the people with a horror for jesus the cyrenian took hold of the cross and jesus was made to follow between the two thieves in order that all might believe him to be a criminal and malfactor like them the virgin mother walked very closely behind jesus as she had desired and asked from the eternal father to his divine will she so conformed herself in all the labors and torments of her son that witnessing with her own eyes and partaking of all the sufferings of her son in her blessed soul and in her body she never allowed any sentiment or wish to arise interiorly or exteriorly which could be interpreted as regret for the sacrifice she had made in offering her son for the death of the cross and its sufferings her charity and love of men and her grace and holiness were so great that she vanquished all these movements of her human nature instruction which the great queen and lady gave me i desire that the fruit of the obedience with which thou writest the history of my life shall be that thou become a true disciple of my most holy son and of myself the main purpose of the exalted and venerable mysteries which are made known to thee and of the teachings which i so often repeat to thee is that thou deny and strip thyself estranging thy heart from all affection to creatures neither wishing to possess them nor accept them for other purposes by this precaution thou wilt overcome the impediments which the devils seek to place in the way of the dangerous softness of thy nature i who know thee thus advise and lead thee by the way of instruction and correction as thy mother and instructress by the divine teaching thou knowest the mysteries of the passion and death of christ and the one true way of life which is the cross and thou knowest that not all who are called are chosen. Many there are who wish to follow Christ, and very few who truly dispose themselves to imitate him, for as soon as they feel the sufferings of the cross they cast it aside. Laborious exertions are very painful and adverse to human nature according to the flesh, and the fruits of the spirit are more hidden and few guide themselves by the light. On this account there are so many among mortals who, forgetful of the eternal truths, seek the flesh and the continual indulgence of its pleasures. They ardently seek honors and fly from injuries. They strive after riches and condemn poverty. They long after pleasure and dread mortification. All these are enemies of the cross of Christ. Letter to the Philippians chapter 3 verse 18 And with dreadful aversion they fly from it deeming it sheer ignominy just like those who crucified christ the lord another deceit has spread through the world many imagine that they are following christ their master though they neither suffer affliction nor engage in any exertion or labor they are content with avoiding boldness in committing sins and place all their perfection in a certain prudence or hollow self-love which prevents them from denying anything to their will and from practicing any virtues at the cost of their flesh. They would easily escape this deception if they would consider that my son was not only the redeemer but their teacher and that he left in this world the treasures of his redemption not only as a remedy against its eternal ruin but as a necessary medicine for the sickness of sin in human nature. No one knew so much as my son and lord no one could better understand the quality of love than the divine master who was and is wisdom and charity itself and no one was more able to fulfill all his wishes first letter of saint john chapter four verse sixteen nevertheless although he well could do it he chose not a life of softness and ease for the flesh but one full of labors and pains for he judged his instructions to be incomplete and insufficient to redeem man if he failed to teach them how to overcome the demon the flesh and their own self he wished to inculcate that this magnificent victory is gained by the cross by labors penances mortifications and the acceptance of contempt all of which are the trademarks and evidences of true love and the special watchwords of the predestined thou my daughter knowest the value of the holy cross and the honor which it confers upon ignominies and tribulations, do thou embrace the cross and bear it with joy in imitation of my son and thy master. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 In this mortal life, let thy glory be in tribulations, persecutions, contempt, infirmities, poverty, humiliation, and in whatever is painful and adverse to mortal flesh and in order that in all thy exercises thou mayest imitate me and give me pleasure i wish that thou seek no rest or consolation in any earthly thing thou must not dwell in thy thoughts upon what thou bearest nor seek to relieve thyself by enlisting the compassion of others much less must thou make much of or try to impress others with the recital of the persecutions or molestations of creatures nor should it ever be heard from thy lips how much thou endurest nor shouldst thou compare thy sufferings with those of others i do not wish to say that it is a sin to accept of some reasonable and moderate alleviation or to mention thy afflictions but in thee my dearest much alleviation if not a sin would be an infidelity to thy spouse and lord for he has put thee personally under more obligation than many generations of men and thy response in suffering and love will be defective and wanting if it is not complete and loyal in all respects so faithful does the lord wish thy correspondence to be that thou must allow thy weak nature not even one sigh for mere natural relief and consolation if love alone impels thee thou wilt allow thyself to be carried along by its sweet force, and rest in it alone. And the love of the cross would immediately dispense with such natural relief, in such a way as thou knowest I have done, in my total self-sacrifice. Let this be to thee a general rule, that all human consolation is an imperfection and a danger, and that thou shouldest welcome only that which the Most High sends to thee himself, or through his holy angels and even these favors of the divine right hand thou must accept only in so far as they strengthen thee to suffer more constantly and to withdraw thee from all that ministers to the senses chapter twenty one